Fraser House with your host, Brandon Bailey and Mike Rafke. Mike, what's up, man? What's up, brother? Dude, we're here. We're here again. I know. I'm happy to Back in the can. Back, back, in the, <laughs> back in the dungeon. Wait, that's not right. <laughs> but anyhow, uh, I'm happy today. I mean, I'm happy every day the Lord gives me opportunity to wake up. Yeah. But I'm really happy today. I got the joy of the Lord today. Amen. We got a sister on the phone. Yeah. She's hanging out in Australia right now. She is. This is our second time that the Fraser House has gone around the world. Yep. Last time we had Strawn, mm-hmm. which I want to keep calling him Dakota. And everyone's like, "He's not his name's not Dakota. Why do you keep calling him Dakota? I'm like, all right, fine. I'll just deal with Strawn. It's okay. Well, anyhow, um, this is cool. You brought this person to my attention. I, I really didn't know who this person was. Um, but you know me. I'm a vocal. So I'm softy for vocals. Mm-hmm. And you want to just jump right in with Tennille? Let's do it. So Tennille Netta is on the line all the way from Perth, Australia. Tennille, welcome to the Praiser House. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're honored. I, I I was blown away by your music alone. I mean, first and foremost, we can just tell, like, I, I joke with Mike, there's people you want to be around, and then there's people who you want to be around who bring you close to the Lord, and then there's people who you want to be around who bring you close to the Lord who have amazing vocals. Tenille, oh. you're one of them. <laughs> oh, sorry, that was an introduction. <laughs> hey, we're blown away by your music. Welcome to the Praiser House. We're so excited. And there's so much cool information about you, not only just a singer, songwriter, a mother, a wife, uh, a child of God, a sister in Christ, um, but an amazing vocalist. And I want to go right to where you started. Your journey in music started at an early age, didn't it? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I always loved to sing and um, I probably started writing maybe like 12, 13, but my parents went to church when I was really little for a while and I kind of have like some vague memories of that. And my dad would tell me the lyrics before they'd come up in the song so I could sing the lyrics. <laughs> so yeah, I always love to sing. That's cool. And I was looking, I was reading into your journey and that as a small girl recreating songs from church and your mother's electric organ, when you were hearing this music, were you realizing that you were going to be a singer or did you think you wanted to play an instrument early on? I don't know. I think probably more of a singer because I, I would just like pick out the melody on the piano and then, yeah, I just used to sing like all the time constantly. So I did ask when I was a kid to learn an instrument, but we lived in like this tiny regional town where like music, I don't even think there was anyone that even played a musical instrument. <laughs> so yeah, it, it wasn't until I was about 14, 15 that I actually like played an instrument properly and even learned anything about music. But even now, like I have to confess, I feel like a fraud because I, I literally don't know anything about music. <laughs> <laughs> really? So do your parents play then? No. So no, no one in my family plays and I can't really even read music. <laughs> I, I just You're in good company. Uh, oh good. <laughs> I mean Brandon can read music. No, I can't. What are you talking about? I can't read music. No, I can't. It's I chicken can't. scratchings to me. It's uh, but but I did I did see somewhere that um so you got an acoustic guitar at 14 yeah. and, and your first song that you learned was, do you, do you remember? Uh, you were meant for me by Jules. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yep. I, I mean now, okay. So, all right. So we're probably all relatively the same age. So was that your favorite? Was that your influence? Was it Jewel and others? 
I did like Jewel, but I learned Jewel because my my best friend at the time in high school, like I think we were like year eight or nine. I don't know what that is over in the States, but yeah, 14, 15, she taught me You Are Meant For Me by Jewel because she was getting guitar lessons. So I was kind of getting like lessons through her. <laughs> Secondhand lessons. <laughs> Secondhand lessons. Yeah. Well, I tell you, there's, you know, I being around the music business as long as I have, and for our audience out there, we've got a lot of you know young listeners, writers, creators that are listening to our show, and um, it's really interesting because the more and more I went through the business from the the, the artists out there, Mike and Tennille, who really no one knows, you know, are just struggling. Like that's the majority of all of us artists right out there. To the ones who are really well known, you would be surprised how many don't read music. You know, mm-hmm. um, they play their craft and they play their songs. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. So you you're growing up in Australia. And you get to start singing. And when did it really start to gravitate and say, okay, this is something I probably could take on as a career or it could start to mold, you know, who I am as an individual? Um, I was like super shy when I was young and I sort of just did like singing and dancing classes. Like my my mum would enroll me in, you know, little classes here and there. Um, but I remember like my brothers would hide behind the couch to hear me singing because I was so scared. Like I would, I would just petrified. Um, and then I actually, this town that we live in, Karatha, where I work, um, it's a small town. And when I was like 18, I got asked to come and sing at the pub. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I remember I would literally feel so sick. Like I would only be singing like one song in front of like 20 people. And I was like petrified. And so I kind of, yeah, I sort of like started doing those kinds of things when I was like 18, 19. And then I actually embarrassingly had a stint on a reality TV show, very small. Um, and that, I guess I, I sort of got to like the top 20 kind of thing in that show. And that was in Sydney. So I was sort of like this really green small town country girl, never wanting to sing in front of anyone. And then I had to sing on TV (laughs) and it was like horrifically terrifying. Um, And so, but after that I was like, Oh, like I really love music and maybe I should do this more seriously. So that was a bit of a catalyst for me to move to Sydney and I took music more seriously and started writing and co-writing more seriously and, yeah, kind of just developed from there. That's so cool. probably like 2021 20, maybe when that was, yeah. And you, I'm old now, so <laughs> a long time ago. And you had a song um, – did I read right that you had a song that played on a on a show or like was put into a show or something or was that or was I or am I thinking of the the reality show? Maybe I'm maybe I'm confused. Um, I did have a show a song that I wrote with some guys here in Australia that was on like Home and Away. Yeah, Home and Away. That was it. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty yeah, cool. That, yeah, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, um, that came about through the publishing that I was with at the time. So. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's always good when songs get synced to TV and film. That's yeah. that's for sure. I want to go back just a minute before we get too far into your music career. Um, you went to high school in Perth, you know, and growing up in a small town. I grew up in a small town, so I can relate, you know, farm country. Uh, lots of cows, you know, maybe some kiwis. We'll get into that later in the show for, the, for our Western audience who has no idea what a kiwi is other than a fruit. Um, but you got into working a few jobs that ended up becoming the driver of a train. So we call that a conductor. I, I would think that's about the same, right, for y'all, uh, the person who leads, who's the lead uh, in the train. So we, for our audience, that's that's awesome. Like, you know, we talk about like getting into the studio and cutting it up with folk artists and other things. Like, 
driving a train is pretty, mm-mm, you know, we think. And uh, I can't <laughs> say that for our audience online, but everyone probably got what I just said. And so can you tell our audience about this cool? And it still, it, you still do it today, right? Yeah, I started 5 a.m. on Friday. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've just come, I've just gone back actually from maternity leave. So um, I moved up to Karatha when I was like 18 and I had family up here at the time. And I started out as a rail car inspector, like examining the ore cars and doing brake test certificates and stuff like that in field maintenance. And then I just progressed internally and became a yard driver. And now I'm training on the main line at the moment. So, but we have um, autonomous trains on our main line. So a lot of it now is like recovering robot trains, basically, that wow. have decided they don't want to drive anymore and we have to drive them. <laughs> That's cool. And That's so, so awesome. and, and so that you've been doing that for a while. Did you meet your husband in that area when you moved up to Karatha or did y'all meet in Perth? How, how did that work out? <laughs> no, actually, I, um, I was doing fly in, fly out. So I don't know if that's a thing over there, but in Australia, like the mine sites, you can fly in and out for your work. So you sure. stay at a camp. And so at, at the time I met my husband, I was living in Perth and I was part-time internship at my church. And I, I don't know if I was at Bible college. No, I think, don't think I was. And, and I was doing um, my mining job and I got asked to play at Parachute, which is like a, which was a Christian sort of music festival in New Zealand. Oh, cool. And it was quite odd because... I hadn't really released any like explicitly Christian music. So I was like, this is kind of weird, but I want to go to New Zealand. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I went to New Zealand um, and my husband was filming some of the artists at Parachute. So we just like hung out and we had like lots of mutual friends and we hung out for like the few weeks that I was in New Zealand. And then I was like, well, he's really nice. And I was like, I live in Perth. You live in Auckland. It's never going to work. <laughs> and, you know, six years later and two kids. It worked. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> and and I love that. Like, I, I always joke on our podcast, you can learn a lot about somebody through their Instagram page if they're so willing to share. And I thought it was cute <laughs> to see that you and Dan have two kids, two beautiful boys, and Joey, and I'll get their ages here in a second, but Joey and Isaiah. And Isaiah joined us most recently. He's the baby. Uh, last yeah. year, right? Like, like late fall, I guess, early fall? Uh, he is one and a half. Oh, so a little bit longer than I thought. Okay. It's yeah. sometimes pictures are deceiving. So what are your kids' ages, if you don't mind sharing? What are their names? Their ages. Oh, ages, sorry. Um, Joseph is turning four in June, and Isaiah is one and a half. Wow, so that's cool. That's a, that's a handful, huh? Oh, yes, they are. <laughs> little, they're very energetic from the crack of dawn till the sun sets. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't still that doesn't slow down like until they get to high school and then then they oh. just want to sleep all the time and so you'll get some sleep again soon like in 10 15 years <laughs> and they just want to eat all the time and i'm like is this ever going to end and my husband was like no nope. nah, i was the same just wanted to eat all the time yep that, so. that's even worse in high school so it's, it's <laughs> that's never ending you're, you're scaring our guests Mike. i know i my kids could my kid my kids could field dress a deer that ran through the house like it would be nothing but bones by the time it got to the back of the house oh man yeah we don't want we don't yeah you have to be content so going fast forward a few years so tell us about that reality show i i've had these experiences here as an artist manager where we bring artists out and they make you know the voice and uh what is it america's got talent and all these type of shows 
What was that experience like? I mean, that had to be, I, Mike and I talk about the maturation process. We all have that as a human being, right? We grow up, you know, whatever. But there's also a maturation pr uh, process in music. Do you feel like that really challenged you to have to go out into a big audience and say, oh man, I'm, I'm like competing for the show. How was that for you? Yeah, I think, like I said, <laughs> it was really terrifying. Um, I, I just had, had, I had no experience like, singing in front of people. I, I had no like technical skills. Um, like I think, um, yeah, I learned a lot. I learned a lot through the process and, um, yeah, I guess it made, I met lots of other artists and, um, it inspired me to want to, I guess, yeah, put more effort into being a singer songwriter and learning more about my craft. And then I was really fortunate because, from there, I ended up um, winning a competition over here. It doesn't actually exist anymore, but it was called the Telstra Road to Tamworth. And it was kind of like, Tamworth is like our Nashville, but like way, 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 way smaller scale. Um, but it actually, uh, I won that competition and the performer category, and I got to go to Nashville and record over there and play at America, not uh, during Americana. Um, and sort of, it was almost sort of like an artist development deal and it was for 12 months and that's how I ended up, I ended up signing with my publisher through that. And I also signed with, um, Universal Island through that as well. So, and from that development deal, like I, I got to work with heaps of different producers and writers and stuff. And I just did like loads of co-writing and I got to play lots of little shows. And so that was kind of like over a period of like three or four years. And I'd say over that time I learned heaps and heaps and heaps. And that was like a time I was really thankful for like honing my craft, so to speak. But yeah, I suppose really though, like I never felt like I had a very secure identity mm. when I was in that season of life, I think, cause I was so young and is like, yeah, I guess inexperienced. And, um, I, I just didn't, I kind of got, pushed around a lot by labels and people I was working with and I didn't know who I wanted to be as an artist. And, um, I guess really until I became a Christian, I was probably, yeah, just not very secure as a person in myself. And I didn't really have a vision of what kind of artist I wanted to be or what I wanted to be writing about. So yeah, that's such it a, was a, it's a kind of a tumultuous season. Yeah. yeah. And I see it as a beautiful opportunity too. like, you know, working with a lot of young artists, it's, it's actually refreshing, you know, when you look back for people who don't have that experience, Mike, you know, you came, when I started working, you had a boatload of experience. And for someone like Tennille, who didn't have that experience going in, sometimes that's can be the most rewarding yeah. um, because there is no expectations. You know, yeah. you're going to learn and like the learning curve is going to go like this. Um, it can be hard, like you said, being tossed around by label and producers, but what a great opportunity to grow in a green yeah. field. It's cool too, to see like how, you know, like we talked at the beginning when you were you're a kid just singing songs from, from church, you know, that, that you, you, you didn't really have a, a grounding. I didn't ha have a real strong background in church as a kid either, you know, but you see how, like I can recall. And so I kind of related to that. Like I can recall like learning a few Christian songs in church Jesus loves me or whatever. And then really liking to sing them. And then, and then later on in life, like I became a Christian and then you find yourself, you're, you're singing songs to Christ. And it's like, it's just cool to see God's like fingerprints on your life as a kid. And then you move into the music, you know, music field. And then God opens up doors for you to be able to, you know, hone your craft so that you can use it for his glory. And it's like, man, it's just cool to yeah. see that. 
and your identity becoming secure in him. And then that's when things really seem to take off for you. It's, it's a cool story. Yeah. And what's interesting there, you said until I became a Christian. So it's kind of like myself. I, I found that, you know, I was an acolyte and these things serving the church as a young kid and then didn't live a life, anything near what a Christian should be living. So for you, was that kind of a similar experience where you, you know, you were, you were in the church as a young girl, you lived your life trying to find maybe your identity or who you are, but then you found Christ. Can you tell our audience about what that experience was like when you came closer to God and you accepted that? Um, yeah, I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't really grow up in church. Um, my parents, my mom said sort of became a Christian when she was pregnant with me. Um, and I've got an older brother and a younger brother from my parents' marriage. Um, so I, my parents sort of went to church for a little while when I was quite young, but they separated when I was eight. So after my parents separated, um, there wasn't really much church life or yeah. So, um, yeah. And they, I'd say the years after that were quite difficult. Um, yeah, it wasn't a very like pleasant (laughs) time, but, um, my mum sort of started going back to church when I was maybe like in my teens, but by that stage, I think, yeah, there had been like a fair bit of hurt and damage and I kind of wasn't really interested in going to church with my mum that much. Um, so I moved out of home, but my brother actually, so my younger brother, so I was about 21. My younger brother was 18. He was sort of headed down, not a very (laughs) good path. And I actually sort of remember like praying for him. Um, even though I wasn't really a Christian, I I was definitely like a theist. Like I believed in God and I, I had like an idea of Jesus and I knew what Easter and Christmas kind of were, but I just had no idea really what it meant to be a Christian. Like, yeah. So I I would say I was sort of like a nominal Christian. Um, and then my brother, yeah, he, he went to church when he was 18 and kind of had like quite a radical conversion. So completely changed his life and was like a different person (laughs) pretty much. And, um, praise God, he's still a Christian now and and he's in ministry and stuff. And like, yeah, so I think his conversion for me was, um, a real witness. And I was like, Oh, I thought, I wonder how long this change is going to last. And I remember he told me he believed the Bible and I was like, all the Bible (laughs) (laughs) really curious. Um, yeah. So I guess sort of like from 21 to maybe like, I don't know, 25, like I kind of went on this journey and I I had quite a few like key relationships with Christians that really spoke into my life and were super patient and loving and gracious. I look back now and I'm like, how are you so patient? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I I got into like, I read a lot of C.S. Lewis and I read my Bible and watched a lot of apologetics. And so I kind of like had this intellectual, like I had to kind of process those intellectual stumbling blocks stumbling blocks to me. Um, and then, yeah. And then I kind of made an intellectual decision to, be, to become a Christian and I was going along to my brother's church. I'd moved back to Perth. Um, and then I, yeah, I do sort of remember a key moment where I suppose I think I'd been rejecting the idea at a heart level, the idea of grace because I was too, I was just carrying too much burden and shame. And I was like, I just don't know how Jesus can love me. And I remember my pastor opening the Bible and just reading all these passages where it talks about Christ's love for us. And I was like, it, yeah, it became like a true objective reality. That wasn't like, it wasn't my pastor's opinion. wasn't my mom's opinion. It's actually in scripture. 
what Jesus did for you because he loves you. And it just, you know, the heart engaged finally and understood grace at a heart level, not just intellectually. Um, and I, yeah, I, re- I remember that day really clearly. And I think that was, for me, that was like a real, <laughs> yeah. yeah, point in time where things changed. And I think a lot of people have that struggle with, with the idea of grace. Cause it's like, we all know our background. We know the stuff that we've come from and like, that, but and then just but that's the whole crux of the gospel is that we can't do anything on our out exactly. of our own strength to to you know to fix our brokenness. But I think I think a lot of people still struggle with that. And even today, like you know, even even like as a Christian today, it's like sometimes it's hard to wrap your head around God's grace, like how infinite His forgiveness is. And it's like we still beat ourselves up. I still beat myself up over things. And we got to like no, that's that's under the blood. And um, but it's 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 interesting to hear that the the intellectual side of it started before the the heart ever really engaged in it. I think a lot of times it's the other way around. Like the heart's just like, yes, I need Jesus, you know, and then the the intellectual side starts to catch up with it. You know, um, it's cool to hear that yours started kind of the other way around working. Yeah. Through that. I think I was always acutely aware though of my, like that I was lost. Like even as a child, like I, I feel like I always had this sense that I needed Jesus that I'm, and that to me like the Christian worldview makes sense and that I am, yeah, that I need a saviour and that saviour is Jesus. I think I did always have that sense in my heart, but I think, yeah, just accepting that grace. Yeah. It's free. It's like this free offer of grace, but it's like, yeah. really? <laughs> I know. Really? It's, what do I got to give you for it though? <laughs> yeah, and there's so many people, Neil, who are going through that, like that – I have this thing in this in our office called a spiritual punch, and it's essentially that it's not that you're overwhelmed by the Spirit. I, I'm not thinking that it's the Holy Baptism or like Acts 2 or something, but I very much think it's like when you were speaking, I'm like trying to hold back a little bit of that emotion because you said in such a pure form that anyone can relate to that. And, you know, I come from a broken home as well at the age of 12, and there's a lot of struggle with my mother even today. Um, I was with her this past weekend, and it was a struggle towards the end of the weekend, you know, for conversation. Um, and when your when your mother says, "I don't believe in a heaven or hell anymore, or a God," you know, it really hits home. Hmm. And so, for you to say that to us and to our audience, it means a lot, not only to me personally, but to other people listening who might be struggling, hmm. you know, to know what it's like to be touched at the heart level. And you know, for a smart girl like yourself, and I think that the guys in the room are smart you think a lot with your brain <laughs> and intellect sometimes actually comes into play. Imagine yeah. that. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. But I think that by, by his grace, as you said, not only can we be saved, but we can help save others that are lost. So I, I thank you for that, you know, for sharing that, that, that means a lot. Um, as you get into this world of music and you've, and you've now, I would say, I don't say collected your faith, but have really gone in um, you re- it really starts to open a lot of doors for you as you go through the show. You're working with Universal, and you've worked with a lot of artists. Tell us how it got to your music. Tell us how you got to saying, "Hey, I'm going to release this sing- single or this album or this EP." What was that? What was that cast? Was it was it just the basis of the grounds from the experience you had, or was it a combination with your faith? Kind of tell us where that was. Sure. Um, you mean like releasing the Christian music? Yeah, how it kind of guided you. You had said earlier that you know I wasn't sure my identity in music. Um, and who I was, but then you, you were green, you were, we call it a greenhorn, you know, a young, <laughs> fresh artist and, yeah. uh, had worked with all these experienced people, right. At a, at a major level. Um, but now you, with your faith, you're kind of ground. You're like, okay, I want to, I'm going to go towards the Christian artist space. What was that like for you? Um, I 
think, yeah, so like after that season um, living over in Sydney and Melbourne and stuff and sort of doing like secular music, um, I had a bit of a break. So I, I came back to Perth and, um, yeah, I did an internship with my church and I went to Bible college for a while as well and I met Dan in that time. So like I sort of was not very focused on music at all. Like I was just took a big back step from everything because I wrote a lot of songs over that like four or five years with Universal that never saw the light of day and probably won't see the light of day. So I think I was quite discouraged because I was like, oh, I've written all this stuff. Like blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so <laughs> um, and then just as a natural, you know, outworking of the spirit and prayer life and my spiritual growth, I was writing Christian songs. Um, so after a few years, I sort of had this bunch of Christian songs and I was like, do I record these? Don't I? Um, but then, yeah, I just, I just, I guess I, it was on my heart to record them and I had no expectation or ambition. I was just like, I just feel like I should record these songs and I had no budget. We did like a little Kickstarter. I think we did like 6,000 Australian dollar Kickstarter and, um, like we recorded half of it just in our spare room while Joey was asleep. Oh. <laughs> and um, we went down south to a friend that's got a studio and we did like vocals with him. Oh, actually, I think we kept, yeah, we did a combination. We did some in the spare room, some at James's. Um, we tracked drums at James's. Yeah, it was just a very much like DIY. Like there was only like four of us that played on it. Um, and that was Mercy. That was my first um, EP. Um, and like I said, yeah, I, I just didn't have any expectation and the songs really just came out of like my personal devotional life or prayer life, um, or scripture. So, um, and then, yeah, it was, it was really encouraging when I was learning after I released it, that those songs were an encouragement to others. (laughs) Um, that was amazing. Yeah. And I, I ended up uh, releasing that EP with running club who sort of work with integrity. So that was, that was really helpful. Um, and I guess that motivated me to keep writing more songs and yeah, hence this second EP. It's, it's cool too. Cause like, as you, as you write songs from that space, from that place of just de- devotion and prayer, like those are the songs that are going to impact everybody else because they, yes. they're, they're written from a place of like, this is what I'm dealing with God. This is what I'm feeling right now, or this is what I'm hearing from you. I mean, when you write from that space, it's like instantly people can, can, identify with it because it's, it's, oh yeah, I've prayed that prayer. I've felt that way before. You know, it's, I think that's awesome. Yeah. And I've already pulled back two spiritual punches in this, this, this discussion with you, um, which are like when you get like, you know, a little emotional because like the greatest thing that I've always witnessed to see artists are when those that are listening to your songs are either singing your music back to you um, or they're encouraged by them in a real way. Was the song Prehistoric Love in that first grouping? Um, Prehistoric Love? Yeah. Was that inside that first uh, release? No, that's actually um, sort of pre, pre the Christian EP. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We saw that come out. Obviously, we talked about that you know quickly for the, uh, the Home and Away show. Um, but we're talking more towards the EP title Mercy, as you mentioned. And that was more in that devotional group, right? Yeah, yeah. So Mercy was the first EP that was explicitly kind of faith inspired. Yeah. yeah. 
So that must have been an interesting child. We, there's something that your your husband is a handy man. He can he can work on things. We've learned in your bio that uh, <laughs> yeah. and and Mike brought this up, and I was like, Nah, man, this is too cool. Mike's built a drum kit before, and uh, we saw that while your son was napping, the vocal booth that you and your husband had made from a hardware store supplies. Is that a true story? <laughs> yeah, Dan, <laughs> Dan went and bought like all this wood from Bunnings. Do you have Bunnings over there? What is it? Oh, Bunnings. It's like this major oh, hardware. No. Ch- Ours is oh, called no. Ace Hardware or Lowe's or Home Depot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so he went to Bunnings and just bought like insulation and <laughs> sheets and had like a nail gun and like made this. It's massive and it's really heavy and it takes up our entire spare room. But I was tracking vocals in there like two days ago. That's <laughs> so, awesome. awesome. So you're still using it. I love this. I'm still using- that's but incredible. Like, yeah. Okay, uh, okay, I need to talk with Dan, and I need blueprints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to have on part two. Well, you're always welcome here on the Praiser House, and as you continue Drew music, we'll promote you. I promise. And uh, yeah, we're gonna get Dan. We're gonna talk about this blueprint thing. <laughs> we might start a business. <laughs> That's so awesome. That's cool. I mean, look, we we I, I I look. This is an encouragement to our audience. There it is, right there. Okay. I don't care what you have to work with. Just do it. Yeah. Like, you know, everybody, Tanil, we've had on this podcast is is working. They're they're honed into their craft. They, they're passionate about what they do. They love Jesus Christ. And they use what's around them. Like, like look, I'm not or she's not going to ever stream on Praiser unless she can, you know, brings a Christian song. And Mike already knows who I'm about to talk about. But Billie Eilish and her and her her brother one like I don't know how many Grammys from doing an album in their bedroom like yeah whatever you know I don't support her music um sorry uh, not sorry still, but she's a worker but and, she works and they did what's around them and so many people do and so for you I commend you guys for doing it. so for our audience out there if you young kids are like I gotta have this major studio I gotta work with I gotta work with this producer no you don't no you need to go to Bonnie's and yeah. get some plywood and some and yeah. some fiberglass and a nail and gun sheets and a nail gun That's- yeah and just <laughs> <laughs> and just aim wherever you can point the. Gu- no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's actually really genius because I, I I've done I, I did um, two home recordings, um, like in the 2012 20 something like that, and that's actually really genius. I wish I would have thought of that because I'm I'm like in a garage and I'm trying to hang stuff and, and make it like you know DIY. But I never thought to build a vocal booth. That's that's the I'm I'm so jealous. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. How I wanted to ask you, you know, we get a lot of artists out there who, you know, do the crowdfunding thing, right? To like raise the funds. How was that experience for you? Do you feel it was a positive? Do you feel like you would do it again? Or was it something you're just like, no, we just want to do it for a one off? Oh, it's funny you ask this question because I've been thinking about it. Um, so the first EP, like I said, I I did a small crowdfunding thing, like six thousand dollars and then I wasn't planning on doing another one, um, but I ended up um, after COVID, uh, yeah, I basically wasn't going to be working with Running Club again for the second EP. So I um, did another Kickstarter and it was really nerve wracking because it got to like, I think it was the last two days or something and there was still a lot to go. And I was like, you know, Dumb and Dumber where he's like, man, you were one pathetic loser. I was like, yeah, that's me. We quote that movie all the time that you are, you are officially cooler than we thought because you're really, you're really my younger sister. (laughs) So I was like, 
I'm so embarrassed. Like, um, yeah. But then it ended up, yeah, it came to fruition. It, we, it, yeah, we ran, managed to raise the money. I think that was like 14000 or whatever. So that was for the EP that I just um, recorded with John Guerra. Um, but already I have like a heap of songs that I want to record. And I said to my husband, I was like, oh, it's just so hard, isn't it? Like how do you – well, I think when you're an independent artist, like – um, and I think for this stage of life that I'm in, I just don't have capacity with like two little kids to be like self-producing. It would take me like 10 years to release an album. Like, and I, I'm not a multi-instrumentalist like John, like John is amazing, incredible. And Valerie, his wife plays all the strings and she's also amazing and incredible. So like, um, the whole satellite project with John sort of came about in COVID, but it's actually been a huge blessing because like Dan and I are just so busy with you know, this having little kids, I think this, um, you know, season of life where you've got really young kids is hectic. Um, and so it's been a massive blessing to work with John. Um, but yeah, in order to keep working with John, (laughs) I have to keep raising funds. And so I'm like, do I do another Kickstarter? Are people going to hate me and think that? (laughs) No, no. (laughs) We, Tineo, no, no shame in that. Look, we, we realize that like, and I don't want to get it. This is not a financial podcast, but I know I'm a businessman as well as I am an artist manager and executive for this Christian music group that I'm so blessed and honored to serve God first and the business second. But the reality is, is like the future of investment, both on the business side is it's all peer to peer network. It's all that. So like it's, there's no, there's not, there's nothing wrong with it. If you're producing something that it touches from your heart and your mind and you're doing it as an encouragement to others and give God the glory, who cares where it comes from? Yeah. Like straight up, like I would just tell you, just don't stop. And that, yeah. so now we've gotten to two lessons, Mike, not only can you build and record at home and do an amazing production. Okay. Um, you don't really have to have any money really. I mean, you have to have some money, you know, but you can, you can release this. And then while people are locked down in COVID, you can get more creative and you can work with someone that's completely on the other side of the world yeah. and you can share files you know, like they were doing this when Michael Jackson's. I worked with a guy who was doing, um, you know, arrangements for Michael Jackson, and they were sending stuff on paper copies through the mail system. Yeah. So it, it actually started back then. It didn't just start because we're in a digital age. Like, keep on going to Neil. So that I, I want to talk about. That. How did you come to know John Guerra, and how did you guys get to Jesus? You come because that that really gets us back into Running Club Records, which we know a lot about because of Citizens and River and Robots and this, and to share roster space. Um, that's an honor with those group. I mean, that's, those are some talented people, but before we get to the label, tell us a little, how you got to know John and get that song going. Um, <laughs> John and I just met through Instagram. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Amazing story. <laughs> I wish there was, um, but no, I, it was funny because, um, I had made a few inquiries with different producers, like for this next, um, EP after mercy. Um, and I had been chatting to Isaac. Wardell, that's how you say his name. He does the Porter's Gate and he works with Josh Garrel. That's how you say yeah. it. Josh um, Garrels, yeah. I'm a big fan of Josh and well, yeah, Porter's Gate. Too. That's how I found Isaac. Um, but Isaac was working on a Porter's Gate record at the time. And so all we had kind of done is like I sent him a bunch of demos. And then I was like obsessed with John Guerra's album. And so I just like wrote to him on Instagram and I was like, your album's amazing, fangirl, you know. And then he wrote back and was like, thanks, I really love your EP Mercy or something, like made a comment about Mercy. And I was like, what? He knows my music? (laughs) I was like shocked. Um, And then, yeah, I was like, well, would you be keen to write? And so 
I think that's how it came about. We were chatting and I might have sent him some demos and then I sent him Jesus You Come and I went to bed because it's like the same time as you guys. Like yeah. I think he's 12 hours, so when it's my night, it's his morning. Um, and I woke up the next day and he had sent me like a full song back based on the demo that I sent him. And I was like, it's amazing. And then, yeah, so that was Jesus You Come um, and we decided to record that as with um, both of us singing um and then i yeah i loved what he did and i was like oh would you be interested in producing the ep and yeah kind That's of just awesome came out from there <laughs> so now we're going level three ready mike <laughs> so not only can you use what's around you and make your own vocal booth you can do it on a low budget you can share things remotely but you can also get to know people through social media <laughs> yeah imagine that <laughs> i encourage all the artists to do it just don't be weird about it yeah don't and, be weird about it and, but be yeah. genuine like yeah. look you actually reached out because you're like look i'm fangirl but oh by the way when he makes a mention let like and you know what also like we not only go in like genuinely you know like you did Tennille, but like be prayerful about it you know be mindful that this is a space that if you really are genuine you probably have similarities in some space and you know the faith is there so that's really cool so he sent you back essentially the the rhythm bed for the entire track and you're like i just sent you a demo i didn't expect all that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and i i was like super prayerful about it actually like leading up to cool. so like obviously i prayed before i recorded mercy and then even like just the whole thing with the second EP, like I was praying a lot about what to do and how the funding would come about and who I would work with and stuff. And I just thought, you know, and it's even like now, like I, I'm fully dependent on God <laughs> to, for this music to ever see the light of day. And, and I do see it as a ministry. And if I'm honest, like in this season of life, I, if I was not writing music for Jesus and in the hope that it would bring him glory and encourage his people, I probably wouldn't prioritize it because it does take a lot of time and energy. (laughs) And when you've got two little kids, like I was in the studio recording vocals and I'm like changing a pooey nappy and then (laughs) breastfeeding and then getting back in the vocal booth and like, sorry if that's too much information, but you know, like it's, it's my passion. Absolutely. (laughs) But it's because I don't know. It's, I feel, I felt like when I was doing secular music, I was always trying to like prove myself and it was never enough. And you know, all those things that you grapple with about your self-worth, but then once you're a Christian and your identity is in Christ and it's about Christ, it's so different. Like the whole approach is different. The joy is different. Like I never, I don't know. It's just, yeah. So I think, yeah, Christian music really is a completely different kettle of fish for me in terms of my whole mindset and approach and yeah. And how do Sorry, we? That's no, that's awesome. It's awesome. I mean, Mike and I are over here going, okay, spiritual punch number three. Now we're going to level four, Mike. I'm just going to all levels. <laughs> we're just going to like keep making levels with Tennille. Level up. So level four is now if we're seated in heavenly places, how do we treat the music that we've now given priority? Yeah. If it's also seated in a heavenly place, we better, right? Yeah. So for our audience out there, um, there's no excuses. <laughs> yeah. Busy life, like grad school guys, other businesses. I don't have kids. I have a 63-pound fur ball of a dog, um, Australian Labradoodle for the Australian plug. Um, he has roots in your in your backyard. Um, probably like a hundred dogs ahead of him. Might not even be a hundred dogs. It could yeah. be quite about a thousand. Um, that really touches for our audience out there that they need to know the priority of where their music is as they serve Christ. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and how does that get you as we kind of get closer on time here? What? Did, how did that get you to running club records? I know you. then you mentioned you reached out to them. 
Um, but what was that response and, and, and what did you send them? Um, so I actually, um, I had a friend, Matt, sorry, I laugh because it's just <laughs> funny in hindsight when you can see God's providence, you know, like, yeah, cause my friend, Matt, um, who I met when I moved back to Perth from Sydney, I saw him at a gig. We were like playing on the same bill at a venue and I saw him and I was like, well, oh, he's really cool. And I thought he was a great guitar player. And I was like, well, would you like to play some gigs with me? And then he was a Christian. So I was like, yeah, that's cool. And then he went to the UK and he actually met Chris Lawson Jones, who was the head of running club in the UK. And he was chatting to Chris about his music. And then he was like, oh, you should listen to my friend Tanil's music. She's just recorded this EP. So he actually gave Chris my EP. And that was like a few weeks before I was going to release it independently myself just through, you know, one of those services or whatever. And Chris was like, oh, can I, can we jump on Zoom and have a chat? And so, yeah, we jumped on Zoom and had a chat. And he was like, really loved the EP, would like to release it pretty much. And I was (laughs) like, oh, really surprised. So um, that's basically how the running club thing came about. And I mean, the rest, uh, so Chris was sort of like involved with the UK arm, like you said, Rivers and Robots and Josh Gowton. And then they've also got the US side. But I kind of always felt like this little like outsider over in Australia, <laughs> like this little lone person. But yeah, they were so lovely and great to work with. And I'm really thankful for those relationships. And I'm, I'm still working with Chris now on the distribution side the new EP. That's cool. Yeah, it's cool. We, we'll definitely keep you in mind uh, when we talk about distribution. We've got some cool things going on. Um, as we we wind down here, this has been a, a fantastic time with you, Tania. We've really enjoyed this. Yeah. Um, I always like to use, I know I use it a lot, but it's true. I'm genuine when I say it. It's refreshing, you know. Um, and I love that you spoke from your heart today. We really felt that. We really mean that. Um, this is something that I coined. We kind of coined this like along the way, right, Mike? Things mm-hmm. just kind of evolved. We just, yeah, just this kind of happened. Just let it happen. It was it was not planned. It was just like no, not like you know, the miserable. Kind of like, it's kind of like the uh, artist corner. You know, yeah, like, that's a good phrase. Let's use it. Yeah, uh, w- should we tell her about the miserable melody coin? We got a minute. Yeah. So we joke about miserable melodies. You know, how, like like as artists and singers, we like we hear a couple of words and we just start singing a song. And sometimes it's like the most like terrible worst song. song in the world. <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't even have one off the top of my head. So I, I, I decided that we were going to have something called the miserable melody. So to make people feel really good about leaving on a Friday, you basically land the miserable melody coin on their desk and they have to come up with the most miserable melody yeah. known to man. <laughs> so it comes from like an 80s song, a 90s track. It could be anything. Yeah. Uh, it could be something they just make on a fly. So I don't know. I don't know if that brings you humor, but that's something we do here to keep it light and fun. Um, but back to the artist collective. Sorry for the sideline. Uh, the art- <laughs> <laughs> asked me to sing a really miserable melody, and I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> what are you asking no, of me?" <laughs> that that that's the uh, that's another podcast. No, <laughs> oh. that's actually a reality show. No, <laughs> yeah, be ready next time. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but um, this is something we call for our audience uh, the the artist corner, um, and this is where you can speak about anything you want. Uh, as long as it's G-rated. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but is there anything that you want to talk to our audience about that's going on in the world or that in your life or something that's of inspiration? And hey, look, it can be a simple plug because we know when, before we, we get done with this, we're going to talk about your EP um, and, the really, and the newest single. That's important. So Artist Corner is all yours. Well, I guess sort of like what we were talking about earlier about having to 
remind yourself of the gospel, like what you were saying about how grace is so counterintuitive. And I think we need to keep hearing the gospel again and again and again and reminding ourselves of the gospel. (laughs) And I know as a mum, I need to hear it every day. And as a wife, I need to hear it every day. And I guess, um, yeah, I, I think I've really been enjoying reading the Psalms lately because I feel, I feel like they're just have the whole array of human emotions that you go through. And, um, I think for me at the moment I'm finding, yeah, motherhood and work and just things challenging and trying to like hold all that intention and serve Jesus and love Jesus and love my neighbor. And what does that look like? And how do I do that practically? And how do I have quiet time with Jesus every day? And, still do music. And so, um, I guess the last few weeks for me have been, I've just been contemplating all those things, but like we were talking about earlier, just reminding myself every day of the gospel and actually Jesus loves me as an imperfect mother, as an imperfect wife. I don't have to prove myself to him. So, um, yeah, I guess I just hope that others are also able to rest in his love and not feel like they need to strive for it or earn it. But yeah, Amen. The gospel of grace all the way. Amen. Beautiful. <laughs> it's not so only beautiful. It, it's not only beautiful, Tinny. It comes from a beautiful pe- person. I love beautiful people. And uh, that doesn't say that's like they're just their looks. Like it's their condition of their heart. You yeah. know, it talks about that in Matthew, right? Like the Beatitudes. And that's very important. So thank you for that for our, for our audience. And I, I, I want to just thank you again for coming on. I know it was, we, you know, the time zone is challenging and you've got a, a full plate as a mom and a wife and a singer-songwriter. So for folks don't know, um, this summer you're dropping an EP, and it is What Is My Hope, which has a song that just released on May 14th, uh, a new single, With My Lips. And for most of you that don't know, there's a real easy way of getting out to that. So Tania Netta, that is uh, her website. You can go and check her out. Make sure you follow her on website, uh, excuse me, Instagram, social media. It's all the same. Tania Netta uh, as a forward slash there. And if you need the spelling, T-E-N-I-E-L-L-E-N-E-D-A, Tania Netta. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we've had a fantastic human being on this show today. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mike, you got anything for us? Man, I just, uh, I, I really appreciate uh, the you, you you talking with us today, and and I appreciate the words you gave about uh, the gospel and just that that need to not strive um, for God's approval because I, I think we I think we as humans struggle with that from time to time or all the time, and we just we we need to rely on just God's goodness and His grace, and I just appreciate you sharing that with us today. Yeah, yeah. and when you get to the states, look us up. We're in sunny Florida, so our weather's very similar. You know, if I get to Australia, I've got some friends in Nelson Bay and Sydney. I know a little further away, uh, but we'll have to get together. And who knows? You guys might connect on music. You know, Mike's got been been trying to trying to crush it as well. And uh, you know, who knows? Maybe there's a collaboration. I put that on a live show, so <laughs> just saying. You know. <laughs> hey, and if and if they need if Chris needs approval, just tell him hit me up. You know, we'll we'll, we'll work out the label side of things because we're gonna work we're gonna work with him anyhow. I mean, he's gonna be on Praiser. Your your music's yeah. already on Praiser. Yeah, so. that's true. So, well, hey, listen, everybody, we're so thankful for you. Thank you so much. You're welcome back here anytime. So, Tennille Nate, everybody, thank you so much. Yeah. Make sure you go check her music out. See ya. Blessings, All right, see Tenille. you soon. Cheers. Blessings. See ya. Mike, that was awesome. I just, you know what? I, I wasn't kidding when I said, you know, beautiful people. Yeah. Um, is just a beautiful person. Yeah. Um, inside and out. Um, I, I really love that she doesn't come from, like, that's what our audience, you guys out there, you need to hear this because 
I don't care like what you went through. I do because I, I hope that you came out on the other side. But that that happens like people that go through struggle, Mike. Look, you and I are no sh- no strangers to, yeah. to to a rough you know upbringing in some areas. Maybe choices we made, whatever. Mm-hmm. But for her to share that experience and show what it was to actually love Christ and be working for his kingdom on earth. Yeah. It just shows how beautiful that process is that we've already won. Yeah. yeah we've already is. won. Right. Yeah. And and it's cool to see like again the the fingerprints of God in in her life as a kid, you know, singing songs that in church, but then kind of getting out of out in the weeds a little bit and never really even foreseeing singing for the for the kingdom, but God's been God steered the ship even when she wasn't walking with him. And and that's how he does in our lives. It's amazing. Yeah. And she's balancing so much. I mean, Mm -hmm. balancing, raising two, two children, boys, you know, I heard boys are harder to raise than girls. I don't know. You know, I mean, I don't know. I think it's all, they're all, it's all hard. They're just kids. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, But be able to do that. And, and she works. And so look that I, I know we always say the word encouragement, but look what she's carrying as a workload. Right. And then, she's still focused on what God has given her as a gifting. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we've been talking about that in um, in our current Bible study uh, through Ephesians, you know, the giftings of God and how you can not just interpret them, but actually apply them. Yeah. And then from that application, you kind of do it almost subconsciously, and then people are like, oh, man, look what they're doing. Yeah. And you hope that, like, by doing so, you're setting an example and you're remembering his gifting, and then therefore maybe you're encouraging those others around you. Yeah, yeah, and it's cool to hear her talk about you know that if she if she wasn't a Christian, then it probably wouldn't be a priority. If she wasn't if she wasn't writing music as a ministry, she, it wouldn't be prioritized because she's just got so much going on with kids and work, and I mean, so there's really no excuse for for anybody to just be like, well, I'm too busy to do music, or I'm too busy to do what I feel like God's called me to do. I mean, she's she's doing it, and she's got more than enough excuses to not do it, you know. Yeah. But if you view if you view your calling as a as a priority, that's something I have to do. I was I was created to do this. We really can't make excuses. And if we're too busy, then we're it's our own fault. We're too busy. We have to get less busy so we can do what really matters in this life. And that's, yeah. That's our call on. And on the light side of things, I wish I could find that prioritization when it comes to taking out my trash and doing my own laundry. That's not a priority. I know. <laughs> Who needs laundry? Who needs laundry? I mean, just pull a dirty shirt out of the hamper and iron it. I don't... I don't Spray some cologne on it. Who irons? Um, but you're right. Yeah. Um, sorry, that was a bad thing for the mothers <laughs> and fathers out there listening. Um, always do your laundry, especially when your parents ask. Do it for yourself. Yeah. And those around you so you don't stink. Yeah, and learn to iron. I I know. Yeah, ironing is important. It is important. I ironed this morning. You're awesome. Maybe you need to give me some lessons. You don't know how to iron? <laughs> I, I've ironed before. When? Uh, well, like the doves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mike. I think this is a true story, right? It's 100 percent true. Yeah. Okay. So let's tell the story. This is really good. We've got a couple minutes. So. <laughs> Um, we're at the Dove Awards uh, in Nashville. For those of you who don't know the Dove Awards, it's the Gospel Music Association. Very good friends of ours. Uh, we got to give Justin and those uh, a shout, Nicole. We actually have a call with them this week, Mike. Um, and so what's really cool is Mike had a wonderful experience and to promote his EP uh, alongside you know, myself and the producer. And we walked the red carpet. We did the whole thing. It was really, you know, it was a real honor. And, um, you know, it's black tie. So if you know anything about Mike, uh, Mike typically doesn't attend anything that has to do with black tie, and he's 
Yeah, we're getting older, so we don't go to a lot of weddings. Yeah, this this is my formal flannel. Yeah, that's his for his formal <laughs> flannel. That's right, and uh, yeah, his formal flannel. So you know, we do go up there with dry cleaning, right? It's dry, it's pressed already. But you know, you, you're in a suitcase, it's got at least yeah. few wrinkles. So I was like, Mike, come to my you know my room, and uh, you know we'll get ready together. I know, whatever. <laughs> We are dressed. Um, so we started getting ready, and, and you know, I was like, I got to iron this, you know. And he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, let me let me show you. And he's like, you can do that. And so next thing you know, we're, like, pressing, like, each other's clothes in practice. Um, maybe it was prayerful. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, maybe you were meditating. I don't know. Uh, but that, maybe that was your last experience ironing. It, it was. It, it was probably my first, and it very well may have been my last. <laughs> last. I, I mean, full, full disclosure, I don't own an iron. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So if anyone wants to gift uh, Mike an iron, um, you can do so. Um, we'll send, you know, just send us a comment. Uh, shoot us an email, you yeah. know, at support at praiser.com. There's no excuse for it, Mike. This is terrible. This is me um, talking to myself. Last time I checked, they do sell them at Target. They sell them at Target. And, and if I, Target wants to sponsor this podcast, by all means, yeah. we're really easy to get a hold of. Support <laughs> at, at praiser.com. You, you can send us a you know, Praiser branded iron. I mean, we'll be good with that. Yeah, I will be good with that. But no, it's it's good experience. I, I'm really encouraged by, by Tennille. Um, going back to her, I want to make sure that the audience hears and understands where where and how you can find out about Tennille. Yeah. So runningclubrecords.com forward slash Tennille Netta. And that is T-E-N-I-E-L-L-E hyphen N-E-D-A, Tennille Netta. Yeah. So that's that's the label that she's involved with. But her website is just that, TennilleNetta.com. So I'm going to spell it one more time, T-E-N-I-E-L-L-E-N-E-D-A, TennilleNetta.com. Um, got a wiki page. Yeah. Um, she's got amazing. The only thing about social, if you go to her website, you can get to each social link. But when you go to Instagram, it's just TennilleNetta forward slash. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Facebook, it's Tennille Music. And then for Twitter, it's just Netta Music. Yeah, but make sure you follow and, or support her music, please. Yeah, and we didn't talk about it, but uh, like how how we came across like there was a she had made a post about um, a, a, an artist that we all like is uh, Madison Cunningham, big time. And so that was how we connected, just on on Instagram. How like, you connected? Yeah, like, credits oh, do or credits do. Oh man, I like I was like I love to or I mean I love uh, Madison Cunningham, and so we just kind of and then I saw oh she's a musician too, so I went and looked at her music. And I was blown away. We didn't really talk about the vibe of, of what she does, but it's it's very, uh, very almost Celtic. Like it's got a it's got a very Irish feel to it, yeah. which is odd because she's in, from Australia. Yeah, and no lineage there. Yeah, no, yeah, and and and, and, a, and a family that had no music influence. Yeah, which is but really it's, interesting. It's really pure. Like you, you just, I mean, if for no other reason, just to experience what we're talking about, go to go to her music, go to you know Spotify, iTunes, whatever. And listen to her music because it's it's very pure, very worshipful, and I mean it, it's it, it's really moving. That like people need to need to check yeah, it out. Yeah, I mean I remember. My, so a lot of people don't know this. You know, Mike and I work together at Praiser, and he heads up all of our A and R and our music programming department. Um, I just help you know give vision and say, sir, what do you need? <laughs> so I go over to Mike's area in his office, and I he plays this for me on Instagram, and I was like, man, that that's that's incredible, and. I, and, you know, we sometimes folks out there, that, you know, if you're not in music business or you're not in the music A&R world and you're not in it every day as a worship leader, you typically don't have a saturation of music around you. And what happens there, it's kind of shameless to us that you almost become, you know, 
blind to it. It almost becomes mm-hmm. that you're, you're, it's benign. Music is just so constant yeah. that there's the more you listen to, the harder it is in a sense to find the, the, the ones that top out, or it's even easier just to forgo some that mm-hmm. are really talented. You're like, oh, I've heard that before, you know? Yeah. Well, when I walked away from Mike's desk after playing that, I was like, man, something about it's, that it's a falsetto, you yeah. know, was just so controlled and, and the arrangements, so beautiful, like so pure. Yeah. It's, and, and it's, it's a, it's a really unique sound. Like it's not like you listen to her music, you're not like, oh, I've heard this, I've heard this kind of stuff. It's, mm-hmm. it's very unique. And, yeah. and I, and I'm a sucker for like unique music, like people doing things that are just a little bit different than, I mean, it's like the whole Keith Green thing, like off the beaten path. It's like, right. And that's, that's her music. It's very, it's got a very unique, um, arrangement and unique everything it's just really well really can well imagine done. that mike we produce stuff together in the past but then we produce stuff that's soft a vocal softy with unique tunes yeah i think we got something we got something something a little something something a little something something you got some new music coming out we, we're going to talk about that in another podcast because yeah. we're gonna have an episode just about your music and about what we're doing uh the future of another platform if you guys haven't gotten involved with us please do the praiser house uh, this is a Christian music podcast. It's very obvious, but we're very serious about what we do. It's part yeah. of our passion. We're giving God the glory, and we really need the support of those out there. So please subscribe. You can watch this on YouTube. We put it on our Praiser channel, which you can see other things like the Praiser House, which is a, a artist uh, interview and performance mix. Praiser Session. Praiser Sessions, excuse me. And you have other things out there like interviews backstage when we're at the Dove Awards. Yeah. So please do subscribe. You can get this on every platform. So, you know, Apple Podcasts, Music Podcasts, yeah. Spotify. It's, uh, eventually we'll be on Praiser. We're going to open that up. This has been an episode that I've really looked forward to, Mike. Yeah. It came pretty quick. I'm grateful that we did it. Yeah. Thank you for helping me to bring her on all the way from Australia. We had some scheduling conditions there that had to get through and we're going to have one of her uh, her label mates jess ray coming up yeah um and we've got uh john mark mcmillan next so make sure you guys check it out this is the praiser house i am brandon bailey and mike rathke we love you god bless you and we'll see you next time